This is All Things Ansys, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 96, we chat with PADT simulation IT expert Ahmed Fayad about the most common tech support questions that we get around installation, licensing, and running Ansys tools, along with the news and events from the world of Ansys. Once again, welcome to our podcast, All Things Ansys. I'm your host, Eric Miller. I'm lucky enough to be one of the co-owners here at PADT, a longtime Ansys user, 35 years now, and in charge of consulting IT, HR, and facilities at PADT. Today, I'm recording from my home in a wet Phoenix, Arizona. We were hit by the remnants of Tropical Storm Norma, um, and I know that many of you are dealing with uh, rain from that storm as well as Ida and aftermaths from multiple things. So I hope everyone is safe from the weather and the plague um, that's still you know, really uh, affecting all of our lives. So um, I hope everything's going okay out there. Before we dive into our discussion today, I wanted to note that I went to the 36th annual Space Symposium held in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It was a it was a great event, and I was able to catch up with many customers as well as Ansys employees because a newly acquired space simulation tool company um, AGI was there with a very large booth. In fact, if you've ever been to the Space Symposium, you know that they are quite famous for their ice cream that they hand out uh, that it's hand scooped and, and handed out on the uh, the night that's kind of the the party night at the event. Um, and it was especially encouraging to see how far they've come along in their integration into the world of ANSYS from both a technology and a business standpoint. And there's lots of things going on in this area. And we hope to have uh, some of them back on the podcast. You know, we talked to them about what their, their mission simulation software does. And um, we hope to, to learn more in some future discussions with them. Also, my big take away from the space uh, from the space symposium is that space is really booming. The large companies, the medium companies, and the small are all doing quite well. Uh, military, commercial, research, people doing launch vehicles, doing satellites, doing sensors, and then all of the companies like PADT that support all the people doing these things. There's just so much going on in space, and it's kind of hard to, to pick one thing out. You know, there's commercial launches, there's military uh, refurbishment of older weapon systems, there is hypersonics, there is um, um, sensor, crazy, lots of sensor stuff, communication. It's it's all doing very, very well right now, and, and a lot of great technology being used, and in most places, ANSYS. It was a smaller than normal event, um, and and talking in a, in a crowded, loud room with your mask on while standing away from each other was a bit difficult, but after a day or so, we all got kind of used to it, and I do look forward to going back in April when they're going to have the 37th edition of the same event. So um, hopefully I will see some of you there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about our interview slash discussion today. Um, it's basically, it's about the tech support calls we get around IT issues. Um, I, I could explain a little bit more, but then I do at the beginning of the recording. So let's just go ahead and listen to the recording of my discussion with Ahmed. Thank you, everybody, for joining us again today. We've got a little bit of a different topic today, but one that touches every user of ANSYS, and that's IT. Um, joined today by Ahmed Fayed, who is our, um, well, I mean, well, how do you describe yourself? Our IT guy that helps with support, is that a valid station simulation IT expert? What would you say? I think the, the keyword <laughs> that uh, we could use is system specialist. There we go. And, okay. Yeah. So IT system specialist, let's call it that, because mm -hmm. systems might infer 
ANSA systems products. And true, no. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. So, you know, uh, P, as, as most of our listeners should know, PADT does technical support for the customers that buy ANSYS from us. And they call up and they ask, you know, questions about how to use the tool and how to, you know, do fancy things and how to do simple things and where's the help files and things like that. But um, a large percentage of our tech support calls really are not related to doing simulation or leveraging the power in the ANSYS tools, they have to do with what I would call IT. And so we thought we'd bring uh, our expert in that area on the podcast to kind of go through what the most common questions are so that um, you might get your answer before you have to ask it. So um, I know you did a little bit of prep beforehand. Uh, why don't you share with our listeners uh, when, you, when you thought about it, how you kind of group the kind of questions we get. Yeah, so my my involvement with customers starts with the minute that they make a purchase or sign up for a trial or we're working towards getting them up and running. So starting with receiving the license file, creating mm-hmm. a portal account and getting set up that way and then the installation of the products and then deciphering all the licensing problems. Mhm. Uh, next would be running the tool, actually, you know, burning some chips, you know, make it, making, uh, <laughs> generating some heat. Some heat, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then when it comes from IT perspective, getting fancy and trying to run on multiple machines and remote solve manager and things like that. Okay. So well, that, let's, that, let, yeah, yeah, those are kind of the three categories, right? So, yeah. so um, installation and the initial thing, uh, issues with running, and then um, uh, dealing with the batch uh, remote solving, right? Yep. So um, let's let's start at the beginning with with installation. What what's the usual biggest problem that people have with installation? Um, you, usually, the, the biggest issue that we have is one of two two things. Number mm-hmm. one. Uh, they have an antivirus that's meddling with what's allowed to yeah. run and install and create and all that. Um, with recent ransomware and how uptight security has been, Ansys has been playing catch up with all new policies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so having the right uh, permissions, uh, running as administrator and being able to you know overcome the firewall and the Windows Defender restrictions Um so th- those those are the two most common ones. Okay. Uh, another common thing that we run into is people download, you know, the latest and greatest version twenty one R two and ooh, nice tool, but mm-hmm. I have all these files from version nineteen. So mm-hmm. they try to install version nineteen on top of twenty one, and the software just screams and blows its head, <laughs> you know, because the the way the, the thing to keep in mind for installation order is. Sequential order works. You can mm-hmm. go back up to version ten or even earlier if you have the source code. Mm-hmm. But if you install it in order, it will work. Out of order, it will not. So you can't do um, eighteen, then twenty, then nineteen. You got to do eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. That that actually makes sense. Um, kind of <laughs> another another one that uh, I, it's it's not as common, but I still run mm-hmm. into it is customers sending us issues or whatever and then i request a screenshot and i have to squint my eyes and is that windows 7 you know? <laughs> <laughs> go back in the memory bank and <laughs> yeah 
it's like either they found a way to you know roll back Windows 10 into you know low low res, low, mode. Low res mode or that is Windows 7. So if you didn't know, Windows 7 has been out of support from Microsoft. Don't blame us. Um, and I think Windows 8 is soon to follow. Yeah. Uh, so make sure that you have the right flavor, the right OS. Uh, home edition usually doesn't play well. So right. Windows 10 professional. Yeah. Uh, the major Linux flavors, not Ubuntu, unfortunately. So not Ubuntu, so still not Ubuntu. Yeah, and C- CentOS is still the most dominant one, C- or what? CentOS, Red Hat, and uh, Suzy Linux are supported. Okay. The news is 2022 Ubuntu is coming online. So oh, that is good news. There you heard it, heard it heard it here first. So if you're a, it seems like people with the like to run Linux on Mac hardware like Ubuntu. So yep. uh, yeah, it's that's, that's it's more thing. native. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Um, so so back to the first item. I had another question about that. So so let's say that their their licensing's not working because of firewalls and things like that. Is that because we the way the license manager works is they use a, a network port to send messages to the license manager and back again, and that's blocked. So th- that's an excellent segue into licensing, uh, yes. which is the next topic on the list. So uh, licensing, the, the main two issues that we have with licensing is number one, and I'm sorry, I, I feel like such a hypocrite because I wrote a blog post declaring that Ansys will no longer require licensed server upgrades. Right. And <laughs> now it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and it's because of licensing changes. So right. the first thing that I would recommend to anybody trying to install Ansys, regardless of the version, download the latest license manager version. Okay. And we have numerous, numerous tech support cases where the customer is, oh, it's not running. It's giving me an error. It's misbehaving. I can pull one license, but not the other. And then simply having the latest license manager software running resolves that issue. Uh, that being said, the license manager is backwards compatible and the installation is non-disruptive. So it takes about five minutes end to end. So that's the first headline I would say about license manager. Um, the second thing, uh, the, the licensing manual has all this information, but it's scattered. Okay. Uh, regarding firewall rules and window, Windows Defender. Mm-hmm. The, generally, we need two ports to be open, 1055 and 2325 by default. You can change those if, uh, if you're feeling fancy. Uh, and Windows Defender, there's a list of processes that you need to allow. Most okay. of the time, it does it upon install. Some organizations lock down what gets uh, changed right. on install, and you have to do those manually. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. And um, yeah, and I and unfortunately, I think because the bad guys are getting better at their job, that's going to get tighter and tighter over time. Yeah. yeah. And I know that exception files get quite long sometimes. Yeah. 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 And luckily for the for the license server, there's there are like five executables that we just have. To, if they're not added automatically, we just have to add mm-hmm. them. Okay. Um, th- the next big thing with licensing is the license file itself. Right. Um, the way the licenses work, they're locked to a host. So they're mm-hmm. either Mac locked or uh, disk ID locked or in a previous generation uh, dongle lock. So it's like a USB mm-hmm. key. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, and the thing with that is try to have the latest license file installed. And if you decide to change the server or format mm -hmm. it, just mm -hmm. let us know so we can cut you a new key. Usually a format changes the disk ID and then moving from one server to another changes the MAC address and disk ID together. So we'd have to regenerate the license file. Yeah, so getting getting new keys when you make any kind of a change like that is going to be critical. That's a really yep. good point. And uh, uh, that made me th remember, for a very long time, ANSYS had a non-standard license manager, and there was talk of going to standard FlexLM. Did that happen? So right now, everything, FlexLM is the back end of the license okay. manager. Okay. So with the majority of the products, you could run them with a plain old FlexLM. Okay. But you won't get any of the reporting and the who's using up all the licenses and you know all all the dashboards that the Ansys License Management Center okay. provides. So if if you're an IT person, I, I remember when I used to take a lot of these calls, which was a long time ago. Um, the IT folks would say, "Well, all my other tools run on FlexLM. I just want to put this license file in FlexLM. We recommend against that because it doesn't work with every product and." you don't get the bells and whistles the ANSYS license manager has. Well, now there's an option to split it. So if somebody's okay. running FlexLM in the background, you could run it. The only issue there is uh, the, the, what I've faced in the past is you have to shut down all FlexLM other license servers, shut them down before you install the ANSYS license manager for it to work. Okay. Otherwise, it will just scream and yell and okay. port, ports and things like that. Okay. But it, okay. it, it is doable. It's a little more involved, but it is doable. Okay. So that's one of those ones there. If you're considering using FlexLM and the ANSYS License Manager tools at the same time, um, you should reach out to your support provider before you do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Save you, save you some time. Some <laughs> pain and suffering. Okay, good. Any other licensing issues? Um, one, one of the, the things that came up in the past two years, and I think it's uh, it's gaining in popularity, is uh, elastic licensing. Yes. And that takes away the license server out of the equation completely, and basically your licenses are hosted in the cloud, and it's uh, an on-demand kind of um, on-demand setup. So you use mm -hmm. up, for the number of hours that you're running the tool, you use up these credits that you pre-purchase. Um, again, setup on that is very straightforward. Again, sometimes it requires some tweaking, but most of the time, plug and play. So not not a major issue. So if you're using Elastic, you use the Ansys Cloud license server rather than your own. Is that yes. a true statement? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's if nice. you want to get complicated, you could use both. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think you, I think I've seen that. <laughs> so again, if you want to do that, call your tech support provider. Okay, that's yeah. good to know. And uh, I, I think definitely the volume of licensing issues has gone down over over the last couple of years. Is that a, a true statement? It's about uh, the same. Licensing issues in terms of the license server running mm -hmm. and performing and staying alive. Yes, that that has mm -hmm. gone down a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. The 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 latest versions let's say from 2019 mm -hmm. have been very very stable good uh very easy to use reporting works 99 percent of the time we have zero issues with the actual application it's usually uh you know oh they implemented a new it policy and it right. just locked everything down mm -hmm. or license files expired then you added the new one and it doesn't like it and it just takes a little bit of cleanup uh, mm -hmm. to work 
Good. Yeah. Good. And, and, and I'll add, you know, if you are a PADT customer, um, and this may be true of other support providers, but we read license file, we speak license file. So you may look at it, it looks like gobbledygook, and we, we look at it and we actually know what it says. So uh, don't beat your head against that. You know, reach out and uh, we, can, we can help translate some of those things. I, yeah. I know some of the traffic that I see back and forth is you just explaining what's in, you know, people are saying, well, I don't have access to this tool. And you say, well, you know, your license file has this, this, and this in it. And, uh, you know, we can help with that for sure. Yeah. Uh- yeah, so so that's one thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Ancestors are always trying to optimize their licensing. So, for example, if you buy, I don't know, mechanical enterprise now, mm-hmm. you won't get a separate space claim key. And people right. are like, hey, where's my space claim? Well, it's been rolled into the mechanical enterprise. And it's, so little, little subtle teas mm-hmm. like that. Uh, as, you know, we, we we try to do our best to explain things and take care of uh, customers. Sometimes things might be a little confusing. So mm-hmm. if you just bear with us, we'll get to the bottom of it. And our first and you know foremost uh, objective is to get you running, to get right. results out of your door to your customers, so you could you know use more tools. So mm-hmm. that's uh, and and we and we 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 try our best to get things done as quickly as possible. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I've seen that. Um, you know, I, our philosophy from support from day one has always been, okay, let's fix the immediate problem so that you can do your job, and then let's come back and find a long term yeah. solution. And that certainly is true of these system level uh, things as well. Yeah. A a common thing that we saw as a trend in the past eighteen months, other than mm-hmm. COVID, uh, <laughs> it's it's been uh, people working from home, right. and the fun part of that is all the people connecting over VPN and mm-hmm. delays and timeouts and things like that. So there are some variables that we can play with to increase the timeouts. So working from home would not be a nightmare and you get disconnected and, you know, so we you, you have borrowable licenses, server mm-hmm. timeouts, uh, work from home licenses uh, that are not as common as, you know, the height of the pandemic, but they mm-hmm. still do exist. That's a really good point. You know, if you have unreliable internet at home and you're trying to get your access to your license over VPN, over your your home internet, and the family is doing classes and streaming Disney movies, um, it can it can be really frustrating. And and don't you know reach out because we do have solutions for that. Yeah. Yeah. The next uh, general subject. Go ahead. Yeah, your pup is upset about something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apologize to our listeners that somebody somebody knocked on the front door. <laughs> yeah. um, so the, the, the next topic that I have is regarding running the tools themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when running the tools initially the first time, you will get uh, user access control warnings, which is like a Windows security thing telling you, are you, do you want to allow this application to run and communicate with the world? Mm-hmm. And depending on the application and what you're running, you might get like four or five of those when you first start up. Uh, you, if you don't allow those, your software will not work. So you have to right. allow them. Uh, okay. Sometimes it takes resetting that option uh, okay. to, to get up and running. Um, the next big things that... Uh, that must be taken into consideration. Running parallel or using your multi-core processor mm-hmm. and hyper-threading, they're not friends. 
Um, right. Yeah. Hyperthreading is what telephone operators do. They, <laughs> you know, they buy a thousand lines but sell ten thousand numbers, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. try to, you know, oversubscribe. Mm-hmm. When you're running highly efficient simulation code, that doesn't work very well. Yeah, and you can you can turn that off, right? You can tell it yeah. to just use the processes without hyperthreading. And that's that's for those who aren't familiar with it. It's where you can, let's say you have four actual physical cores. I'm dating myself. Let's say you have eight physical cores on your chip. You can make it look like sixteen um, by by tricking the machine to to do calculations on an up clock versus a down clock and things like that, right? Yeah. And it really is a trick for running lots of less less demanding processes. It's great. But when you're using 100% of that core, not so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely something to turn off. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, what else? The other, the other two main things that we run into, especially for the electronics guys and anybody doing transient or really large or long-running simulations is disk space and disk speed. Ah. Yeah, uh, a lot of times people are like, "Hey, this has been running for four days and it crashed and Ansys sucks and whatever." <laughs> and then somewhere buried in the fifty-two thousand lines of logs, you see out of disk space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, it's as disheartening as that is. Well, you ran out of disk space, so <laughs> that's something to consider. <laughs> well, and and we just ran into this with a new user at PADT. Um, running across the network and running in the cloud uh, w- with like say OneDrive where you're it's being constantly copied up to the to the internet that can be deadly as well from a performance standpoint yeah yeah so usually if you're trying to solve you either have high speed external storage mm-hmm. or you use internal disk mm-hmm. uh, like a network share, you know, an S drive right. or you know G drive or whatever that the IT person has, mm-hmm. you know, loaded to your profile is not a good target for solving. You can use it to dump, you know, scratch or dump mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, logs, mm-hmm. but do not solve directly to it because you will suffer. <laughs> Yeah, I think a good lesson there is just know where the writing, reading and writing is happening, where, where it's physically located and what the network connection is. Because you can have remote drives that are very fast connections, Yep. but, but you have to pay for that. Um, and yeah, I, I know that a lot of IT departments like to, that, that aren't don't have a lot of simulation engineers are like, ah, oh, you know, everybody else works off of this central uh, machine or even the cloud, right? Yep. And by default, your home directory, which is where it's solving at, uh, most Ansys products solve at, is not on the machine sitting in front of you. And you've got a very thin pipe that you're pushing a lot of product through. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the, the next thing that we see a lot with the electronics products is RAM, the amount of memory. Mm, okay. Uh, when configuring machines for the electronics users, I'm like, okay, so how much RAM do you think you need? And I, the minimum I get is like, oh, I can, I think I can survive with 128 gigs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and this is RAM, not hard disk. Yeah, <laughs> this, this used to be hard drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. the more RAM, the better for uh, products like HFSS and SI Wave and Maxwell. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, again, don't ask me how the calculations happen. That's for the electronics team. They're experts yes. at that. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I can tell you that if you're running electronics, prepare to uh, spend a ton on RAM or go to the cloud. <laughs> uh, ah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. 
Uh, and let me think. Is there any? Oh, yes. There's one more thing that is mm-hmm. a, a point of contention, and we end up with angry uh, or annoyed customers, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is GPUs. Yes. Uh, not, not all GPUs are created equal. Mm-hmm. Developers cannot write code that is universal. So Ansys works very well with NVIDIA and not all NVIDIA. So there's a list of supported NVIDIA cards. So the, the, the code word that a lot of people use is NVIDIA Quadro. Yes, yes, NVIDIA Quadro, but not all NVIDIA Quadro. <laughs> so before you spend any money on GPUs, just check with us and we can give you an exact part number or model number that you can use and how many you can use. And in some cases, the applications, the application engineers can tell you instead of spending $10,000 on the latest NVIDIA uh, Quadro card or uh, mm-hmm. whatever the latest and greatest is, it might be a little better for you to, you know, replace your CPU, get more cores for your simulations. You might, you know, benefit more from more cores. GPUs are mm-hmm. nice. They're all the hype. They're mm-hmm. find a million articles about it. But right. in many cases, they're not the solution. Yeah, definitely talk to the experts about that. Um, because, say, Discovery requires a GPU to run, right? Um, it's, yes. It's a lot live, live uses the GPU as its solving engine. Yeah. Um, the um, for electronics, for example, you can yeah. use the GPU for a very limited number of mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mechanical, a little more. So it's it, kind of in the it, middle. It, yeah, yeah. 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 And then and then for CFD, you get certain solvers see a really big increase. So yeah, it's. I think a lot of people get one thinking it's going to be a magic bullet and I'm going to run three times faster. And um, no. <laughs> so definitely talk with your experts about that. There's a lot of other in the pipeline there, right? It's it's how fast, how much memory. Um, yeah. yeah. And how quickly can you write to the GPU and read from it and. In how quick you know if you're before spending ten thousand dollars on a really super duper GPU, spend a thousand dollars on really super duper uh-huh. hard disks SSDs or M2s that really improve the communication. So, okay. yeah, th- 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 there are we we can help with you know where to spend your money. Uh, yeah. Recommendations, <laughs> you know. Well, and speaking of the hackers again, not the, it's not the hackers. It's the Bitcoin people are buying up all the GPUs anyway. So it's kind of a moot point. You can't really get the good ones very easily. So yeah, um, yeah. So kind of have to wait on that. Um, Spend fifty thousand dollars to get a fifty thousand dollar Bitcoin a year later. You know, <laughs> yeah. work at McDonald's, you could mm-hmm. <laughs> make more money. But yeah, anyways, uh, that's all off topic. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the next. The next thing that is common, again, it's more common with work from home and people, you know, centralizing their spend is remote desktop, Windows remote desktop. Mm -hmm. It has come leaps and bounds in terms of reliability and quality of the picture and resolution. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, certain products, when you're trying to run remote desktop because they use the GPU to render like discovery, like electronics, Mm -hmm. uh, require a little bit of tweaking to make it use the GPU for remote desktop. Uh, that's a common uh, thing that we come, that, w- that we face with, you know, like five people in an office sharing a workstation and everybody's trying to remote in and they get, oh, I can't run the software. Why can't I run the software? Because of the GPU. Why? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's some minor tweaking to get it to uh, get up and running. 
Yeah, I, I've been very successful running uh, remote desktop from home uh, on my machine back at the office uh, for mechanical. I think it runs very well on mechanical, but also I don't have any fancy hardware on the other end. So it's pretty much uh, nothing to get in the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mechanical generally is not heavy in terms of uh, GPU use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know yeah. that the electronics product are the most common ones that that have this issue. So again, there there is a fix for it. I don't know it off the top of my head, but yeah. just if you run into Reach that out. issue, just let yeah. us know. I, I know we we really struggled with that at the beginning of COVID. Uh, the the HFSS users are, were the ones that were having problems um, with crashes and things like that on their yeah. remote desktop. So it does seem like we found the fix to that, and it was some obscure flag like four levels down in the options that needed to be changed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Next topic that I had on my mm-hmm. list was uh, solving on servers, remote yep. solve manager, and maybe Ansys Cloud. We could throw that in there. Yeah, well, if we got, we got time, we'll fit that in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So RSM uh, stands for read some manuals. No, I mean <laughs> <laughs> remote solve manager. It is the Ansys uh, solution to basically running large jobs on multiple nodes. Uh, or, or submitting jobs to a cluster with a third-party scheduler. Um, the things to consider are communication firewall. You need to make sure that all the ports that are needed are open. Uh, the next big thing is make sure that it's the same software version, same same release, same patch across the board in terms of ANSYS, uh, as well as uh, if you're running Linux, things like that, make sure that you have the right uh, software running on all of them. Uh, there are some underlying uh, prerequisites. Just make sure that they're all the same. Otherwise, you know, there'll issues in communication. Um, the yeah. final thing for I'm not going to go deep into RSM, but the final thing that I would say for RSM is make sure that you're building your models for the right target. Again, okay. a quick call to the tech support. And the guys will be like, oh, well, instead of doing it this way, split it this way and run it this way. And you adjust your submit command to make the most use out of it. Uh, protect your runs, you know, make sure that you have a restart point being written, uh, things like that. So help you optimize your runs instead of taking something that runs on a desktop and try to run it on a cluster. Really, really good point. That's a, that's a really, really good point. Um, yeah, and that's kind of hard to to define because it's very case dependent and solver dependent. So definitely count on experts for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the final thing that is up and ru- coming and it is being refined by the day, I think, is Ansys Cloud. Mm-hmm. So Ansys partnered with Microsoft and they built this gigantic data center or multiple gigantic data centers mm-hmm. filled with simulation designed servers. Right. And to layer you from all the complexity, you just upload your file, sub, write your submit command, and hit run. And that's it. You have a remote desktop session that you could use, and or you could run it completely hands-off, and it solves, and you can download your information from there. So it, uh, it, it's, it's an option to take away all the complexity of running Ansys and the cost of hosting the servers. And it takes it into the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
and the, and and I the little I played with it, the interface seems much improved, uh, fairly straightforward, and uh, but also can be tricky, especially in what machines you run on, and uh, kind of like like you were saying with the uh, solving on servers is you got to make sure the problem and the machine are a good match. Yeah, yeah, and be, because the cloud, you're it's it's a it's a time based uh, mm-hmm. charging system, so. If you submit the wrong job and it runs for two weeks, that's that's a lot of money down the drain for you to. Whoops, I forgot to hit this flag mm-hmm. or that flag. So, yeah. Again, and our engineers are more than capable at uh, at that. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but one <laughs> option in the cloud is a feature called Bring Your Own License. Yes, which is uh, a huge money saver where you don't use your cloud credits to run, let's say, electronic solver. Mm-hmm. You use crowd, uh, cloud credits only for the server time and mm-hmm. you know the 20 HPC packs that you're borrowing. I don't know. So right. that, that way you, you kind of save a little bit on, mm-hmm. uh, on cost. It's a, yeah. yeah, use your ahead. paid up licenses as much as you can or your lease license as much as you can for where you can and then use the more expensive elastic uh, units, I think they're called now, yep. um, for the time-based, uh, volume-based uh, things that yep. you can't, can't use it for. Yeah. Yep. It, it, it is involved to set up, but again, mm-hmm. it is doable. So. Yeah, and, and, and kind of you know wrapping it all up, my, my big takeaway is, and, and kind of thinking more big picture, because these are really good specific things that hopefully when you run into them, this will help you work through them faster. But kind of the bigger picture is, and, and we see this quite often, is the engineer and the IT person can often speak a different language, and they can have different goals. Um, you know, the, the, uh, I think the engineer sometimes, the simulation engineer sometimes forget that the IT support person is, has to take care of everybody's computer, not just yours. <laughs> and um, the IT person uh, doesn't acknowledge or understand that the simulation engineer has very unique needs within the organization. And some organizations solve that by having um, IT departments that just help high-performance computing users, right? That's rare, but when it happens, it's a lot easier. And uh, one of the things that we do, and I, I think it's important to either develop internally or use your support provider, is as a translator between those different groups. So I think a lot of times, you know, your job is to listen to the ANSYS user and then explain to the IT person why they need it a certain way. Is that, is that a valid statement? That is that is a valid statement. And this is becoming more commonplace with a lot of uh, smaller companies outsourcing their IT. So... The IT person may be supporting, you know, a dentist, a dental office in the afternoon, and then supporting, you know, uh, an aerospace company <laughs> the next morning. So uh, there's a lot of translation that needs to happen. Involve us early, uh, and then the the biggest uh, thing that I think is a lifesaver for us is screenshots. Please, when you have a problem, screenshot mm-hmm. it. Send us the screenshot. It it makes a makes the job. Yes like 90% easier. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, that's very useful. And um, like I said, I hope it helps people uh, solve these IT problems. And, and you know, 
if your support provider doesn't have, uh, if you're not, you're not lucky enough to have BDT as a support provider and, and being able to talk to Ahmed, then, um, you know, find someone like him in your support provider or someone in your organization that's willing to uh, become an expert on these things over time. And it can save everybody a lot of time and money because when, when you can't get a license or your machine is crashing or your job isn't working, um, that's that's money out the door, right? You've got you've got things to get done, and you can't get them done because your computer's not running. And uh, having having you rely on that support, reach out. Don't try and don't try and solve it yourself because it's not like a vibration problem or a, a high frequency electromagnetics problem. It's a different world, and you, you can't know everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's there's a lot of information in the answers forums, mm-hmm. uh, but again, it's generic. It's what someone else experienced, experienced, not yours. And sometimes the fix could be, you know, a two-minute click of a button, and sometimes it might be more involved. So, just reach out and let us know, and we'll be more than happy to help out. And yeah, great. Well, I always like catching up with you, and, um, and maybe we'll, and sometime in the near future, we can do an update on new hardware trends out there, because I know there's some new processors, and AMD is back again, and yep. um, maybe maybe sometime in a couple months, we can schedule some time to, to give everybody an update on what's going on in the, in the wonderful world of hardware. Um, but sure. uh, always great topic, and I pre- like I said, I appreciate your time. Yep, my pleasure. All right, thanks a lot. All right, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. So I can't overemphasize that last bit of our discussion. So often we see engineers trying to deal with issues like the ones we talked about by themselves or IT people getting frustrated because they're not, things aren't making sense. They just, this isn't the way I usually do it. So use a translator or get one. Uh, It will, it will get you back and running quickly because the problem is often one just of things, people not communicating, not using the same terms, not using the same approach to things. So bringing somebody in that speaks both simulation and IT, like we're very lucky to have on staff, uh, really makes a huge difference. And, um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about this in news, but ANSYS keeps growing both through acquisition and by adding capability to the various tools. I just got off a phone call with one of the product managers. It's amazing some of the things that are going on uh, across the ANSYS portfolio. And the one thing that I walked away with was, if you feel that ANSYS doesn't have a good solution for something you want to do, reach out. You may be surprised. I'm always learning. I didn't know we could do that. Um, I didn't know that we had this capability. I didn't know that this solver did this thing. Um, you'd be surprised at what's available, not just in the ANSYS products themselves, but in the partner tools like like MotorCAD or Flonex or Rocky DEM and so many other tools out there. So, um, you know, there's probably a way to do what you want, especially now that the thing I'm going to talk about in the news, um, with an ANSYS tool. So do reach out and do let us know, especially if you're uh, in in PADT's territory and uh, you're one of our customers or you want to be one of our customers. Our salespeople and our engineers are fantastic at helping understand what you need and which ANSYS tools are the best fit. Let's go ahead and talk about the news. First, stocks. I'm doing this uh, Thursday morning. It's September 2nd, 2021. And right now, ANSYS is at $367 a share. So year to date, that's up. Well, I can call it up. It's up 0.88%. Let's just say it's been flat for the year. For comparison, the S&P 500 is up 20% for the year. And if we look at some of the other stocks kind of in the same family, Altair is up 28%. PTC is up 10%. And Autodesk is down 5%. So um, 
only Altair is doing better uh, by a little bit than the S&P 500, and uh, Autodesk is doing worse than ANSYS, and PTC is kind of in the middle there. So a mixed year for the industry, stock price-wise. Um, of course, a lot of things have to do with uh, things out of the control of the companies and, and the perception of the companies and all that crazy stuff that I always talk about I don't understand. But in ANSYS news, we have huge news to report. Hopefully you've already seen this, but ANSYS uh, did a press release earlier that's just recently that said they have entered into an agreement to acquire ZMAX. If you don't know ZMAX, it's the dominant, the number one, the one that everybody uses tool for simulating optical design. Things like lenses and prisms and mirrors and fiber. So, you know, how you shape light is what ZMAX does. And pretty much any assembly that shapes light in one way or another, whether it's a laser beam or light from a for a telescope, they use ZMAX. And their products are called Optics Studio, Optics Builder, and Optics Viewer. Optics Studio is the tool that most people use. It's their design tool. Um, and it, it's incredible. I mean, we, we're lucky enough to be near Tucson, which is the hotspot for optics in the world, um, or at least in the U.S., um, and a couple other places around the world as well. And, uh, you know, it's just there's so many good users down there. And so it's always been kind of frustrating for us to kind of um, just try and work with them than rather than having them part of the ANSYS family. So, um you know, this deal is going to take months to work out, um, and we'll work with, uh, we'll get some ZMAX experts onto the podcast to talk about what it means. Um, and that is pretty much all the news they had uh, from ANSYS. Big enough news. Uh, I'll take it. Um, I'm very excited about this. Not as big as to me as Alice Dino was, but um, it's a big deal, and we can't wait to see how it all turns out. Um, let's let's talk about PADT news next. We announced here at PADT this week that we released an ACT extension to create three MF files from any ANSYS mechanical result object of a solid part. So this was written by PADT's Matt Sutton, a frequent guest on this podcast. It's up in the ANSYS store right now, and you can download and install it um, as we speak. The 3MF format, if you're not familiar, familiar with it, is a new 3D printing file format that, among other things, supports colors on the surface of a part. Uh, we've used it very successfully with our own Stratasys J55 color printer, and uh, we hope you also find it very useful. To learn more, Go to the PADT blog at www.padtinc.com slash blog. And um, if it's not at the top, the article's not at the top, just search for 3M, M is in Mary, F is in Frank, 3MF, and you will find uh, in the article, and it tells you how to install it, how to use it, as well as a little bit of background on what Matt did to make it work, you know, what tools he used and what that, uh, approach he took, the algorithm and all that. So a great example of an easy-to-write uh, extension, and we hope to expand it as we get more feedback from users in the future. So this is just our minimum viable product of that product. Publication-wise, I've only got one ANSYS blog that I want to talk about. Um, it's called How to Accelerate ANSYS Fluent Simulations with Adaptive Meshing. So if you're a longtime Fluent user or you're new to the tool, you should check out this blog post um, and dig deeper. If, it, if, if you, what you see in the blog post is interesting, dig deeper into the manuals. Adaptive meshing refines and coarsens the mesh as you, mesh as you solve. Um, it puts refinement where you need it at a given solution step, and then it moves it around as required. So it's much more efficient because as your, let's say your turbulence moves further downstream, you don't need that refinement upstream anymore. And so 
it gets rid of it. Um, it's There's some great animations to visualize what I'm talking about in the blog article. And um, it, it's, a, it's a great tool and it's something that everybody should be looking at and seeing how they can use it in their solves. PDT blog wise, um, the big thing is we, we did do a blog article about the 3D printing of results you know, using the 3MF file that we can now output with the extension that Matt wrote. We also have a great article from our very own Josh Stout on thermal result visualization in ANSYS SI Wave ice pack and ANSYS Electronics Desktop ice pack. So it's a very helpful uh, way to look at how you can see your thermal results from both of these tools, these tools that model uh, electrical system behavior and then calculate heat. And then, well, how do you see the heat? And especially if you're not a thermal engineer, you may be an electrical engineer and this is a little new to you. This is a great step-by-step -step on how to do that. And tomorrow, um, so by the time this is out next week, we'll be posting an update on what's new in the latest release of Flonex. So Flonex came out with an update uh, this week, and there's some cool things in there for a lot of different applications in the Flonex world. Webinar-wise, um, we're doing pretty good. We've got the uh, mechanical update coming up. That's going to be on 2021 R2 post-processing graphics and MAPDL update. Uh, it's on the 8th of this month of September at 11 o'clock Phoenix and Pacific time. Then um, show-wise, we'll be at Rapid TCT. Some We're not going to have a booth there, but a bunch of PDT folks are going, which is next week, the 13th through the 15th. And then I'll also be uh, speaking and one of the people attending something called the Startup Connection, which is a local uh, event for startups, as the name implies, for uh, the in the what we call the East Valley of Phoenix and uh, the Chandler area. So I'll be for there for that. And then we will also be speaking about some of the research we've been doing for NASA that involves simulation and 3D printing. And that's at the end of the month, uh, September 29th, at the AIAA Rocky Mountain Annual Technical Symposium at the University of Colorado Boulder. So I'm looking forward to that one as well. That's it for events and pretty much it for the podcast. So I want to thank everybody for once again listening in. We do appreciate it. Do not forget to subscribe to our newsletter at www.padtinc.com slash opt-in. Do spread the word about the podcast. Please do subscribe to the podcast and like it and all those things and whatever tool you use for podcasting. And as always, don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us for the All Things ANSYS podcast, episode 96. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.